You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a special episode today. It's our very first interview episode. We have David Fritch with us, who is a speaker, an author, a ministry leader, and a presence pioneer. It's a great episode. We talk about how to bring unity among different churches in a city, what the Tabernacle of David is, and how we can engage in the Tabernacle of David in our own everyday lives. It's really amazing. I'm excited about it. So this episode is going to be a bit longer because it's an interview. So we'll get to the interview in just a second. But speaking of the website, our podcast website is podcast.presencepioneers.org. You can go up there, find all of our previous episodes. You can find the show notes for this episode. I always include PDF download notes of my teaching episodes. You can subscribe up there on iTunes, Google Play. Email, which I think is the best way to stay connected with us so you never miss an episode. Uh, YouTube, all of that. You can send us a message through the website. You can make a donation to help us keep this podcast supported and funded. We'd really appreciate that as well. So be sure to check out our website any way you can like, subscribe, comment, review on social media, on iTunes. Any of that really helps us. It gets the podcast out there for people so more and more people can get this content and encounter the presence of God, which is what we all want, right? So without further ado, here is my interview with David Fritch. Enjoy. All right. Well, hey, David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be on. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. There's a lot of directions we could take this. You are an author, a speaker, you've led ministries, online training schools, so there's lots of different ways we could go with this today. Before we dive into all that, you want to just kind of introduce yourself and share a little bit about your journey and just kind of a quick recap for those who may not know who you are? Hey, guys. Uh, Yeah, it's so great to be on and to be a part of this uh, podcast and what you're doing, Matthew, and I really respect you and the things that you share, I think are so vital for what God's doing in the prayer movement. So thank you for pioneering this and, and doing, I think it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I, um, been running with burn 24 seven for about 12 years now, almost from the inception and known Sean Foyt since he's 15 years old. So I've been kind of when the burn was the twinkle in everyone's eyes, I was kind of in those days. And so it's been fun to watch it explode and see things that God's done and help pioneer internships and online training, stuff like that for the burn over the years. And But currently I'm in uh, Virginia Beach. I have wife and three amazing kids all under the age of four years old. So we don't really sleep that much, but uh, it's great. And I'm helping run the online school and I just launched a business to help other people launch schools and courses and 
Um, but just have a real passion. I mean, I think the heartbeat of like my passion is I just want to see, I want to see revival and I want to see the nations reached and I want to equip people to do it. And that's sort of my, my part in, you know, the big picture, I guess, really equipping people. So. Awesome. Hey, I wanted to ask you and have you share a little bit about the early days uh, because of course this is called the presence pioneers podcast. So want to see people that are pioneering places of God's presence. And so some, some people that listen are leaders. Some people are just kind of everyday believers that won't you know, host God's presence in their families and their lives yeah. and their workplaces. So tell us about, cause you were in Shawnee, Oklahoma mm-hmm. in the early days of the burn and you, yeah. you know, had this mission space that you helped pioneer there. Maybe just, just share a little bit about what that was like in, um, in your journey in that. Yeah. I, I love talking about those days. I mean, it, what God was doing back in, I think about 2007, the Lord led me to help pastor a church in Oklahoma. And I went from this community that I was in in Virginia beach where it was just so organic and raw. It sounds like I'm talking about a food, but it's, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it was just, so thirsty and hungry for God's presence and community. And then I end up in this church in Oklahoma and I'm sitting there thinking, what on earth am I here for? No one's talking revival. No one's talking prayer. No one's talking any of the things that were just things in my heart. And uh, I remember just plowing away, not thinking there was anybody that had a similar heart and mind. And um, I remember sitting in my office one day and I got online and I saw Sean Foyt, who I'd known for a while in Virginia Beach. And they were launching this thing called The Burn in Tulsa. And my first impression was, I'm like, you know, Sean, this young college kid, just, you know, like he's trying to imitate IHOP. But then the more I read, I saw all oh, this, this little worship and prayer gathering they're doing. It's kind of spreading across the city. Then a couple other cities started doing these 24-7 worship and prayer events. And it, it just gripped my heart. And I got a hold of Sean and I just said, hey, like maybe you can tell me what you guys are up to because this is, it sounds amazing. Well, anyway, there's so many avenues of the story, but God divinely connected me with another guy in our town who had been praying for a house of prayer to launch. And I, I just had no clue that there was anybody like that around. And anyway, we got together and we just started dreaming, what would it be like if we launched the 24-7 furnace here in this little town? And so we were in a town of about 30,000 people, over 100 churches, evangelical churches. None of them worked together, very wow. divided. <laughs> and so we just started dreaming, like, let's try to launch a burn furnace. And we had no idea if anybody would come or anybody would show up. And we talked to this pastor who we knew was kind of like the revival pastor of town and sat down with him. He was like, sure, I'll open the door. So he let us have his church building for 24 hours. We hosted a, our first burn. It was, I think, a total of 26 hours of nonstop worship and prayer. And we had no idea if anybody would show up. We had no idea if any leaders would come, any worship leaders would come. And we managed to staff our whole schedule and launched our first burn into our surprise on opening night. There's about 150 people that showed up and it was so encouraging, you know, like there are people here, but we just met that first burn. We met all of these people that I didn't know existed that had the same heart. They were aching, longing for revival. 
uh, wounded intercessors that stopped going to church, wounded prophets that had been sort of outed by the religious system, all kind of found themselves in this gathering. <laughs> and uh, it was raw and it was, but it, it was so powerful. We left feeling like God's going to take over the whole town. And it kind of began this journey of uh, pioneering monthly burns. And and just a couple of years into that, we saw like, the walls, dividing walls begin to fall. We had about 35 churches eventually that were working together on a regular basis to do worship and prayer and even merging that with like outreach events and feeding the homeless and things like that. About two years into that, we decided we really wanted to do more than our monthly events. We wanted to launch more of like a house of prayer style, like daily meetings. And so because we had built the groundwork of all these relationships with worship leaders, I felt like it just prepared the way. And we sent out an email saying, Hey, who wants to be a part of this? We're going to do two hours in the morning, two hours at night. And we didn't have another place to meet. So we actually started in my house. (laughs) I had a little thousand square foot house. I was a single guy back then. And we just, we got this piano from Craigslist and moved it into my living room and uh, just start gathering people. We had 13 worship leaders leading about 25 to 30 hours of worship and prayer in my living room every day. So that like, I mean, it was awesome, glorious and hard, you know, things, but we pioneered and then launched an internship out of that and eventually got a storefront building and, you know, mixed it with house of prayer, internship missions, that kind of thing. And But I mean, the glory of like pioneering in those days and just seeing like so many people that in this little town, sleepy town come together and really get a hunger and thirst for more. It was just beautiful. So, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, Yeah. a little bit of the story. I'm not sure how much you want me to go into it, but. No, that's great. I was thinking about when you said you guys did that first burn and there were all these people you didn't know about that popped up from their city. I thought about the whole story with Elijah where it's like, Mm. There are those who have not bowed their knees to Baal, you know, and he's feeling yeah. all alone and he's in the cave. And it's like, yeah. I feel like a lot of times for pioneering leaders, especially, it's like you can feel that, oh, I'm totally. all alone. And totally, uh, it can be encouraging to know that there are people, even in small towns, like how many yeah. people say 30,000 or something? Yeah. They were, they were in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And it's like, the, but there's still, God has people in those towns. And even if you don't know, yeah, but maybe that could be like, I'm just trying to think of a practical takeaway. It's like, man, just pray that God would connect you with those people, have the like-minded heart because yeah. that'll bring so much strength to people that are trying to pursue the presence of God or to, or to gather people together to worship and pray it's like, man, just find those lighthearted people. It, it, it's so encouraging. I had lunch with one today where it's like somebody else is just like so excited about worship and so excited about the presence of God and wants to go as far and deep as they can. And it's like, it just explodes, you know, when you, when you get those people together. So, so good. Yeah. I mean, I think that I spent the first year, you know, feeling alone like Elijah in the cave. And I think God's sending this other guy introducing me to him was just like water in the desert. It was like, Oh, there's at least one more guy that <laughs> talks the same language. And, yeah. Uh, and then we, you know, discovered there's so many more, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. If I can just stay on this for a few minutes, the, uh, the unity thing you got said, you guys got ended up like 35 different churches that connected together. Like, how did you guys do that? 
because I think a lot of people probably dream about unity and churches coming together and that kind of thing, but it can be really yeah. hard. Yeah. I mean, I would, part of me would love to say we had this great strategy, but it was a mix of just Holy Spirit connections. And I don't know. I think there's something about too, just like when you get a vision and you just get into motion and you don't necessarily always know what you're doing. It's like, God always guides you way better than you could figure out on your own. And I remember when we first started just dreaming about it, we just started getting all these connections. Like one of them was another guy in town that he's like, Hey, we want to do a worship night. We want to get churches together, like a unity worship night. And so we met him and he said, Hey, we're talking to this Baptist church. And there's this like ladies group that wants to be a part of it too. And so they just invited all those people together and they had already been, God had already been behind the scenes doing that, like connecting people with the same desire. And so we got into a room and then we compared notes and, oh, there's other people that want to do this too. So it was sort of like contacts of contacts. And we just started slowly reaching out to them, the initial ones that had an interest. And, you know, I mean, we just went to meet pastors. We sat down in their office and it's very vulnerable going like, hey, we want to, we have this thing that we want to do. And it's so out of the box from what anybody was used to when we want to do 24 hours of worship. and you know, and most of them like had no idea what we were talking about. I mean, the first guy that opened the door to us, he later confessed. He's like, I had no idea what you guys were talking about, but I just knew I loved your heart and your passion. So I thought I'll, I'll follow those guys anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think we just went after like initially like relationships and just sharing like, Hey, we want to serve the city by praying for the city and unifying churches and there's initially a group of, I don't know, like seven or eight churches that kind of took the risk. But it kind of, once we got that established, it, it built some momentum. Other people started hearing about it. And so when we would present the idea to churches and stuff, it wasn't so foreign. It's like, oh, yeah, we know this church is going. And yeah, it'd be awesome to get on board. But yeah. I think the heart of it is like we just went after relationship. We just... We often said to pastors, we would just go have coffee with them. Like, you know, like, what's your vision and how can we serve you? And like, this isn't a parachurch ministry. This is the church getting together to pray. And we want to serve our city and serve your church by praying. So that's awesome. So be real, have a, have a real vision from God, but go in it with a heart to serve. Just a heart to not, not necessarily to have some agenda just to recruit them to your thing, but really to serve what they're doing. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. 
When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. And really have passion and then just follow the, the trail of relationships that God opens up, right? Yeah. I mean, I think God's so faithful if we will... I don't know. There's something about getting our expectations and agreement with God's that open the door for things that we can never make happen on our own. Yeah. And I think it put us in the stream of where God was moving. And when we got in that stream, we found other people were in that stream too. There was, you know, this Baptist ladies group that had been praying for revival for 30 years, every Tuesday, like they were all like in their seventies and eighties, you know, like that was a divine connection. And they had more fire than like, you know, the college kids that were doing night watch for us. And, you know, like, I don't know. It's just like when you get in the flow of what God's doing, you almost sometimes can't avoid the people that God put in that stream to are going to be right there. You're going to collide with them yeah. and not to over spiritualize because there is a practical of like, Hey, like let's make an appointment with a pastor. <laughs> it's right. like, let's take that risk and do that. But what I'm saying is like, there was both, there was that, divine like rush of like God pulling us towards his purposes. And then there was the intentionality of saying, I'm going to like cold call somebody and go have coffee with them, you know? Yeah. I'm going to shift gears if that's okay. Yeah, Go for it. I'd love to chat for a minute about your book enthroned. Yeah. Yeah. So tell, tell us about the book. What's, what's it about? Yeah. So it's called enthroned bringing God's kingdom to earth through unceasing worship and prayer. And what I tell people, it's pioneering night and day worship and prayer over the last 10 years or so. It's sort of a collection of revelations and testimonies and experiences that God's given me through pioneering over the years, all set in the framework of, you know, trying to provide like a framework and theology for like, what is the tabernacle of David? Is this biblical? What is God doing? And it really was serving like a, one of the reasons I wrote it. I mean, one, because I really felt compelled by the Lord, but I felt like there was such a void of solid biblical language for the topic. It's like we there's a lot of people with zeal. There was a lot of people with even breakthrough and um, wisdom from pioneering, but didn't have the language to disciple anybody else into it. And so as I was pioneering and like really seeking language for my own heart, like what is this and where is it at in the Bible and how do we explain it to people and how do we give people an on-ramp to it? As I'm seeking that out, it's like God would just drop something in my heart. He would teach me something and I would be and I would preach it for like a year, that one little nugget. And then I would teach it and preach it and you know, and then over the years, just kind of collecting those, I felt like that God really wanted me to like release that in a greater way to help bring other people into that. So really it was just to serve this need of giving like a solid foundation for like, what is this thing that we're doing called the prayer movement? What is the tabernacle of David? And is it biblical or is it just this, you know, charismatic lingo that we throw around, you know? And so, yeah. That's awesome. As you know, I'm love the tabernacle of David and love the topic. Yeah, you do. 
and and Holy Spirit was also really drawing me into it to that whole topic and given you know just spent years studying it and I'm so thankful that you wrote wrote an enthroned book. I've heard great feedback. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of great feedback on it. You want to give us like I'll probably talk about it more in future episodes, but you want to give us like a one minute definition on sort of the tabernacle of David or the restoration of the tabernacle of David the best you can. <laughs> one minute. Yes, one minute. <laughs> just, just enough that people will want to go buy the book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the term tabernacle of David, uh, there's a couple of scriptures that mention it, but uh, Amos 9-11, uh, in that day, I will restore David's fallen tent or David's tabernacle, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And it kind of goes into this whole like what will happen when the tabernacle of David's restored. But basically, David tapped into a model for the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God functions, what it is, what it's like, and what man's role is in extending that kingdom across the globe. So he really tapped into the ancient foundations, the book of Genesis, chapter one of like what was God's destiny for mankind, what's the kingdom of God supposed to be like, but he built this model of kingdom built around the presence of God, where he hired singers and musicians night and day to sing to the Lord uh, around the clock, minister to the Lord, pray his heart, which completely mirrored like what, what's going on in the throne room around heaven. He modeled Revelations 4 and built an entire government and culture around that reality of ministering to the Lord night and day. And the results were stunning. I mean, in just one generation, it went from this rogue tribal empire to a global superpower that defeated all of their enemies and released unprecedented prosperity. And I feel like it's a model. It's like the Bible says that that tabernacle, David's kingdom will be restored, which we know that's restored through Jesus taking leadership over that kingdom. But it's a model for us. This is how God works with man to extend the borders of his kingdom across the globe. It starts in the place of honoring God's presence at the center, depending on him through intercession and praying his will and declaring that on the earth. And that opens the door for crazy kingdom activity. So that was more than a minute. Sorry. That's amazing. No, it's it's fantastic. I love it. So that's kind of, it's so epic when you talk about the tabernacle of David, but like bring it down to earth. Somebody's listening to this podcast and they go, what do I do? How do I respond? Like, how do I, God's restoring the tabernacle of David, but what do I do? You know what I'm saying? Like, how does yeah. somebody engage with this topic? Pray! No. Pray. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. And I, I've often reflected on it, like, especially in this season of my life when I'm like, a dad of three kids. And it's like, what does the tabernacle of David look like for me with three kids? You know, but yeah, I think the heart of it is the tabernacle of David. When you get past all the structure and forms and everything, the heart of it is a call back to the presence of God as the center of all of life. It's like letting God be King and it's building your life, building a personal culture and rhythm of life that revolves around God's presence one. And then secondly, it's understanding that like God invites me to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And when I pray that it actually happens, that I extend the borders of his kingdom. I bring life and power and freedom and wholeness through simple things that I pray in his presence. And it prepares the way for God to do 
what he does, you know? So I think at the base level, it's like building your, building a personal lifestyle around choosing God's presence in your daily life and partnering with him to, to pray his heart. And then, you know, he always makes us part of the solution through our prayers. And so we find that our activity as far as what we're engaged in increases when we start praying. So, yeah, that's awesome. So it's not just a ministry model or it's a, it's a lifestyle of yeah prioritizing God's presence and building a culture of prayer into your life. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. And I think down at the individual level, that's definitely what it is. But man, I think it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not a model. It's a, it's, it's something that we're going after it, but I think God's inviting the church into this reformation, this revolution where it's like churches, church in a lot of ways has become a lot more about form and function and events and programs and, you know, reaching people than it's been about ministering to the Lord. And the tabernacle of David is a call back to his presence as the core, bringing fire and power to all of those other things in a greater way. And so, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I have no idea what that's going to look like when we wholesale embrace that as the church, you know, as local church expressions as church globally. Yeah. Yeah. But certainly if individuals start embracing those things and begin prioritizing those things, when those people start coming together, of course, that's going to shift expression and how the church operates collectively, especially if leaders begin to embrace that as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's awesome. That's we could so, probably do an, an entire separate interview. Just we could, we could. I was thinking, man, I have like a million thoughts on that one thing. So, yeah, that's that's fantastic. I love it. So, um, do you want to just talk about just burn field training? Because we might have some people that would watch this that would be interested in field training. Yeah, we have uh, an incredible online training resource. You know, like to equip people to pioneer worship and prayer in the nations and not everyone's called to leave their city or their field and and go away to a ministry school. And so we wanted to develop something that you could be equipped for ministry, especially the ministries that revolve around the priestly call to night and day worship and prayer. So, yeah, so we have this great online training, which gives you an avenue to connect with other people, other pioneers, other people doing similar things. So there's a community piece to it, but there's some of the best teaching, I think, in the body of Christ on issues of the heart, intimacy with God, worship, prayer, how that translates into influencing the world. Um, And so a lot of our students are going through this and they're actually pioneering. We've had dozens of furnaces pioneered by students who've gone through field training in multiple nations across the world. We've had uh, close to 26 nations that they're about represented as students who've gone through the training. So if you want more information, go to burnfieldtraining.com and you can check that out and see if it lights up your heart. But yeah. Awesome. Burnfieldtraining.com. It's part-time. So it's not, you can still be working a job. You can stay in your own city, but you can still get that training. Yeah. About four to six hours a week. You know, you watch incredible video content every week, do activations, reading, and then there's uh, live broadcast monthly stuff like that. So amazing. I would, hi- I would highly recommend you guys, anyone that's listening, go check out the Burnfield training. So, all right. Well, David, anything else you'd like to share with 
the Presence Pioneers. Any closing thoughts? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks. I mean, this is awesome. Thanks for letting me share my heart a little bit. Yeah. I mean, just go after it, you guys. I, I think the real and raw, like I get so excited talking about the Tabernacle of David and I get really amped up. And then I wake up the next morning, maybe from preaching on it somewhere. And it's like, okay, like I really want to live this now. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you guys, wherever you are, to begin to cultivate that place with the Lord, you know, in your own home, develop a habitation because the same fruit that David had of leading that corporate movement, God will give you that on a personal level in your family and breakthrough and things will begin to start moving and changing as you pursue God in a fresh way. And if you're a pioneer that's doing this alone somewhere, God's going to connect you and uh, he's going to bring relationships in your path and go for it. Matthew Lilly is a great person to help you pioneer because he's helping people all over America pioneer. So awesome. Yeah. Amen to all that, especially that last part. Yeah. um, Seriously. If you want to pioneer a burn furnace, you you need to get connected to Matthew if (laughs) if you're in the USA. Yeah. So if anybody watches this, they want to like stay connected with you. Are you on social media or your website or anything like that. We'll yeah, all that. I am. My social media is really boring, though. If you want to see pictures of my family, you can go to my Instagram right. <laughs> or Facebook. But yeah, I do have a ministry page on Facebook. It's just my name, David Fritch. And I have a website, same name, davidfritch.com. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, man. Yeah. Enjoyed thanks it. for having me on.